Look at my car. Look at my girl, look like the star. Look at my life. Came up, nigga, we came so far. You see us. Crush off. Get off. You see us, nigga. Look at my car. Look at my girl, look like a star. Look at my life. Came up, nigga, we came so far. You see us. What's up, everybody? This is the Misguided Podcast. We're intending to guide you to a better future. My name is Juwan. I'm sitting here with Rhea, uh, co-founder of Break Tide Productions. How are you doing this morning? Hi, Juwan. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm living. I'm living it up. It's uh, super sunny out uh, in the Bay Area right now. How's how's it over there in, I love in it. London? <laughs> London is surprisingly sunny this weekend, actually, oh, really? which is yeah. really lovely. Yeah, everyone's out. I'm not out because we're still in a pandemic, but. <laughs> true, true, yeah. yeah. S- same here, everyone's out. I went on a hike yesterday with my dog and like everyone was out, um, but everyone was, you know, social distance. It's easy to, to yeah. social distance on a hike. So um, yeah, that, that's good. That's, that's the good. thing in, in London, there's no like mask wearing culture. Like everyone's out, but like no one's wearing masks. What? <laughs> it's a little different is it, here. Is it like open there like, or like shops and stuff open? Is it like. No, we're we're in a lockdown, but I think people are just getting they're over antsy it. to get out. They're yeah. over it. Yeah. I'm so, over it. Yeah. I'm over it too, but I definitely wear my mask. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. Right. Um yeah, that's right. crazy. Wow. But uh well, well shit, let's let's get to it. Let's get to the podcast. Uh let, let let the audience know where you're from. Yeah. Um where am I from? That's such an interesting question. I I guess in, in some ways I'm from the Bay. I was born in Berkeley, uh, went to Berkeley High, went to Cal. Um, but in the middle, I lived in India for 10 years between Mumbai and Delhi and then spent six years in Kuwait um, from like 10 to 16. So in some ways, culturally, I feel very Arab, but my my ethnicity is South Asian. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I moved back out to the Bay when I was um, in like 11th grade and finished high school there, went to college there. And, and in the U.S., like the Bay Area definitely feels like home. Yeah. But I have a couple of different places around the world that that feel like home. Yeah. Wait, so you left the Bay Area when you were 10 and all the way up until 16? No, I was, I left when I was like very, very young. So I oh. lived in India um, uh-huh. until the age of 10. So there, oh, we, oh, I got you. pretty much because of my family's work, we moved around like every year. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. What, year, what year did you graduate? Uh, 13. 13. Nice. I'm, uh, I'm 12. Go? Yeah. Nice. 2012. Wow. <laughs> what small school were you in? Uh, I was in big school. I was in AC. Okay. Me too. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, also nice. like a huge school, so that's what I'm saying. It's like it, I, AC and IB. They changed a lot, though. I heard. Um, but yeah, they got like new schools. But yeah, I was in AC. Um, I, I looked a lot different back then. I had long hair, so that's probably what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. But yeah, um, and then you went to Cal. Um, would you would you study at Cal? Yeah, um, I did film film and media, and yeah, like right off kind of finishing school, you know was very interested in in pursuing creative work but also wanting to intersect it with um kind of engaging in politics and social change and change work really and mm. film um at some point felt like a really natural fit to be able to merge to those two passions yeah yeah, yeah. It, but before that i used to do like photo all kinds of all kinds of stuff yeah it seems that like a lot of your work is is toward uh, social awareness um, which is really cool. So uh, I want to I want to explore that. Let, let's talk about how what got you interested in film, and then um, what made you interested in like social, you know, uh, movements. So yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, growing up, so my mom's a fashion designer. So like growing up, 
you know, in India, especially kind of having a parent, um, you know, who was like pursuing a career and like was yeah. like drawing like sketches every day and, and working with fabric and tailors and yeah. like putting up things on a mannequin. It's, it's very like, I think as a young kid, like really, you know, life changing to see that. And, and you kind of do see like, oh, something creative is something that I can do with my life. So very early on, you know, that really ex exposed me to all kinds of forms of expressing myself creatively. I was like into poetry and got into dance and singing and I was in a band for a little bit that I sang in. And, <laughs> so just all you know, just, art stuff. Like, I was just yeah. pretty much doing everything. So film came to me much later on because I started photographing my mom's models and these photos started getting published in all these magazines. And um, I realized like, oh, I like shooting. And I think when I was 18, I um, worked on my first film set, which is called Mary Calm, is this Bollywood film that Priyanka Chopra's in. Okay. But it's like a boxing film because I actually like do not like Bollywood and like yeah. the cheesy song and dance kind of vibe. But this was like an interesting project because it was, you know, it was a, it was a biopic it was based on um, Mary Calm, the boxer, okay. um, a Nepali boxer. And um, yeah, so like that was my first project. And I just, I really enjoyed being on set. But um, how'd you, you get know, that? Up, like She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was I, I joined as like an intern and then by the uh -huh. end I was like one of the nine assistant directors. So Yeah, that's wild. It, it was a huge set. Yeah, this was like way back when, but um yeah, but also growing up, you know, living in India and then living in the Middle East, I was kind of just really I think also as a person who also felt like an outsider to many of the communities I was in, I was really interested in this perspective of like, what does it mean to feel belonging and safety in a community? So just really interested in these kinds of themes and, um, you know, just, just seeing everyday inequity and inequality in my life. Like it was very easy to see that and to yeah. access it and to have questions about it. Yeah. And so I think very early on, I was really concerned by why these things existed and wanting to be an active person in engaging with those subjects um that's kind of yeah so at first I was like do I want to be a lawyer like do I want to you know go into like some kind of activist work and then I, I kind of really found that you know I feel that my work my voice is is the strongest when it is expressed through creativity mm -hmm. um so that's kind of ultimately what I moved towards yeah that's that's super cool what um were you working on stuff at Berkeley High and like in college like oh, obviously in college you studied it were you working on stuff in, at Berkeley High like doing film uh not too much I did a lot of theater at Berkeley High I'd like stage managed a couple plays I acted in a couple plays I danced so it wasn't film at that point. And I was like in like model UN. So I was like, yeah. it was like some stuff that's like political and then some stuff that's like, you know. Um, yeah, so not right away, but when I applied to college, I was like, okay, like, you know, I tried to like make my first little film to put into an application for school. So that's kind of when I really started, you know, getting engaged. And that summer out of high school is when I worked on, on the Maricom project. So that really, I think changed a lot for me to see what it was like to actually be on a film set with like thousands of people, like you're coordinating all types of things. And it yeah. was just really exciting. Yeah. That's cool. 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 I like, I like that. Let's talk about um what happens after college. You know, a lot of people, shit, they don't know what they want to do, right? They end up studying one thing and then they go on and get a nine to five that has nothing to do yeah. with what they studied. Um, you're still doing what you're doing, what you studied. So that that's bravo to you. Yeah. How was that transition after college? And like, what did you decide to do? What, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think for me, like I was very stubborn about like I need to find a way to make a living being an artist. Like mm. I just wasn't gonna take no for an answer. And right away in school, like I already like even in college, I already saw these kind of ways of the inequities showing up where like all the people behind the camera were like a bunch of bros and I was very competitive. Like I need to be behind the camera. Like I need to learn. Yeah. So like that first year I just shot a lot. Like I shot maybe like five times, you know, five days a week really for that first semester or first year to really get comfortable in my craft and develop that. And then I started taking on gigs, shooting weddings. So I've shot over like a hundred weddings. What? That's also, that's a money grabber. Like that's it's, super, yeah. yeah, that's super so good. So it helped me learn, you know, at that time, a lot of these jobs weren't well paying and they were kind of like very basic, but it allowed me to first um, <clears throat> practice my craft and also start to get comfortable um, earning money from from it and so by the time I graduated you know I had done a lot of freelance work um but I took on a job kind of as a video producer for a news production agency where they had like a digital kind of you know how they have like digital media a lot where you have like a Facebook page with so Mm -hmm. it was was one of those kind of things and it was a small company very tiny team I was pretty much like the only person (laughs) doing (laughs) all the um, work video on it yeah but but it became a great way to kind of really develop my skill and, and they gave me total freedom to pursue all these really interesting stories. So that was really exciting. And then I moved on to another company, Hearst, Hearst Magazines. And that was another kind of remote video produ- producing role um, where I also like shot and produced videos. Yeah. So yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And at the same time, like I knew it's not really what I want to do long time, long term, like you know, I, I knew that I ultimately wanted to tell my own stories and be able to do it with like more freedom, more creative freedom. Um, and also it's all, it's a constant balance, I think, for artists to be like, okay, how do I sustainably make, you know, a living and also pursue my craft? So that was something to juggle that, you know, continues to come up, I think, in all of our lives. Yeah, yeah. it's always going to come up no matter what. <laughs> yeah. um, that's cool. We talk about kind of finding your worth, you know, finding your value. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked the question, you know, how much is an hour worth of your time? And I really didn't know how, how to answer um, correctly. You know, I automatically just went back to my last job and was like, oh, this is what they paid me. So that must be worth my time. When in reality, that's not right. Um, mm. You're worth a lot more. So I guess my question would be, how do you figure out your, you know, what's worth your time and, and what's worth your mm. um your time investing in a project and, and how much you're charging. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So how, how does, how do you figure that out? Does it take years or does it just take experience or what? Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about that question is there's multiple ways to um, decide that, right? Like there's one on a financial level of like, yeah. you know, financially there's a whole process for determining that, but also in terms of my time is like, sometimes there could be a project that my friend need support with and is totally unfunded, but it's something that I see potential in and I see value in. And passion. so I think passion and yeah. yeah, and so, yeah. And so I think like even the way I work right now, it's like I'm always balancing out. Like we say no to a lot of well-paying jobs if they don't interest us or they don't align our values. Really? Yeah, like, you know, and I think that's can, can you give an example? Can you give an uh, example? I don't know if we can follow <laughs> don't, don't. I don't know. Yeah, all right. If it's a big company, but I don't well, know. You know, so I'll give you a vague example without naming them. But you know, we yeah. one of our projects that we work on is you know to do with like environmental racism, and we got approached 
you know, one year to do a project by a company that has a, had a lot of issues, like very public issues with, you know, really damaging a community because of their policies and how it's, you know, mm. in terms of in, environmental risks um, that have been caused to the community yeah. as a direct result of their actions. Okay. And I think, you know, this maybe was a part of their rebranding campaign or whatever it was, but they were really interested to, to have us on and kind of show that they're also like supporting young women of color, like as a, as a woman um, who- It was has, like, like their apology thing. It was yeah. like their, their comeback, comeback season. Yeah. And, you know, for us, it's like, look, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, we have to be really clear about who we're making art for and who we're doing this work for. And we know that we want to be in service of these communities who this company potentially harmed and put at risk. And so us, it's almost like crossing a picket line, right? It's almost like at that point, the money isn't worth it because it's yeah. it's compromising our values and and at, at the same time like I think there are a lot of projects we've worked on where we still have to f- navigate that line like we've done campaigns for clients like Nike you know and Nike has potentially had a really messy history in terms of the way that they produce their shoes you know so mm-hmm. in each campaign we're also looking at understanding that like we live in this capitalist world where we we have to be really like decisive and why we're making a decision but we look at a specific campaign and we see okay how is this campaign trying to give back to this community that it's claiming to uplift and so when we're part of that we try to be really intentional about having those conversations with the client um yeah i was just about to ask like when when you do accept a campaign do you kind of like align it with your goals and try and like not make yourself feel better but like you know this company um i believe that this campaign will help them be looked at better right help their image uh and 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 so yeah i guess i guess you answered it perfectly but like you i i love that you're all about the core values like and and sometimes you'll turn jobs down a lot of people don't do that they're they're just in it for the money right um right and so, and I think, you know, I think like, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of the value to me of having a production company with two other women of color, having break tide and knowing that like, there might be times where we mess up, where we make a mistake. And like, what does it mean for us to be accountable to each other? Cause ultimately we want to show up. We we're really all about this idea of intersectional solidarity yeah. and uplifting, you know, BIPOC communities. And sometimes that we might not get it right. And it, it just, I think requires us to have a transparency and honesty with ourselves and with each other about like what are we really doing why are we making these choices Mm. and that helps to have that sense of not just doing it alone but doing it in community with other people I think yeah I like that I like that um cool what uh so how'd you meet your co-founders how did break tide start yeah, so Jelena and I went to high school together, actually, Berkeley High, we were in M- MUN together. <laughs> it's uh-huh. just like, and, you know, we lost, we lost touch in college. And when she came back home, I was still in Berkeley. And, you know, she was like, Oh, I want to work on this, like, little short film, you want to, like, shoot it for me, you know, that'd be kind of fun. So I was like, Okay, like, why not, you know, and we, we basically just like did a little project together. And she was very randomly like, hey, like, you know, I'd love to start a production company if you're, if yeah. you want to start one together. And I was like, you're insane. Like maybe in like five or 10 years, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I'm, I was like, am I qualified for something like that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and she's like, well, you know, if you know, think about it. I met this other girl at this, this networking event, Alex Bledsoe, like she seems really fun. Um, why don't we all like meet for brunch one day and like talk about it? 
I love so, that. Um, I love that. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a Sunday afternoon and I showed up with like my notebook and pen, pencil and Alex and Jelena, like Jelena was like sipping on mimosas. I was just about <laughs> to say, probably sipping on mimosas. <laughs> That's so we, we knew early on, like, okay, I was, I was, I was very serious. So I was yeah. like, let's get to business. That's hilarious. Hey, no, that's good. That's good. Bring yeah. your notepad and, and sip some some mimosas. That's that's yeah, when the best you know, ideas come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was just cool because you know it's very easy. Like I think sometimes these decisions can be really challenging to know who to partner with, what types of relationships to get into professionally, and we had just such similar values and also personality wise, we just like we got along and we were like, this is really interesting why not? Like it was kind of the attitude of like, why not? Like what's in the way, what's stopping yeah. us? And yeah, I think it's like one of the best decisions I made in my life to, to, to say that yes, yes in, in the face of that unknown of whether it would work or not, you know? That's awesome. Uh, how long have you guys been together? Like how long when um, did you guys start? Three, three years now. Yeah. Oh shit. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. Thank that's, you. That's super dope. Uh, man, three years, you know, that that's, a lot of businesses fall apart, like within less than a year. So to, to be able to, yeah. to maintain a business for three years, um, to grow it is super fascinating to work with big clients, which we'll, we'll talk about uh, a little bit. Um, but I want to know, like, throughout the, the three years, what, what's been hard for you? Like, what's been the hardest struggle? Because, you know, we like to mm -hmm. kind of, we like to highlight um, the mm -hmm. struggles um, so that we can kind of give people a way to avoid them if that makes any sense yeah um totally. and just kind of educate them on how they can you know um be better um so what are some yeah. struggles throughout the three years that you experienced yeah yeah and to share that i should give a little bit of context about how our company is run like we you know when we started we were very much wanting to create our own work on our own terms right and mm -hmm. so we're like okay how do we navigate this industry in a way where we can be financially sustainable and also be like making our best work on our own terms. And so yeah. the way that we generally split up our year is that we spend six months working on ad campaigns, working on campaigns with clients, and ideally six months working on our passion projects, projects that take years that often, you know, are really tough to find and get funding on. And really the biggest challenge has been balancing that balancing act of like, you know, one, working ethic ethically with, with companies to, to make that money and to make that financial sustainability piece happen. And then also like give enough support to the projects that like are near and dear to our heart. So, you know, Alex is working on a project about Oakland called Oakland. It's about um, lead poisoning in Oakland schools. And Lena's going to talk about um, Ana Kea and the activists on this Hawaiian, um, native Hawaiian mountain. And I'm working on a project about Kashmir, which is in the border of India and Pakistan. It's the world's most militarized zone. So we're all working on these projects that like, you know, have a lot of like really high stakes. And when you're working on a long form documentary, like it takes years, it takes years to build those deep relationships and to really build that story out in a way that's meaningful and I think what we found is that it's not it's not been easy to navigate gatekeepers like when you're trying to get your first film funded it takes a lot like people are like what have you done before like yeah. you know they want all these things from you and so for us it's kind of been like how do we hold our values and our ethics really close to our chest and not compromise that in the face of also needing to needing earn <clears throat> exactly yeah 
And I think it's something, yeah, it's a constant challenge. It's like, uh, it's like for, for musicians, like, uh, signing, it's, it's like, uh, fuck, what's the, God damn it. What's the word? It's like, uh, when you give up your, you're pretty much your rights. And it's like when, when you, uh, yes. submit to Illuminati or some shit like that, you know, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> right. um, you don't want you don't want to give up your soul just for a paycheck. Um, th- there we go. Exactly. That's it. Um, exactly. but you, you mentioned something though, you, you were talking about how all three of you are working on three different projects. So I, I want to ask about that because you have a company, but you're in yeah. London right now and Alex yeah. is in Berkeley and or, or wherever. Alex is in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Really in Berkeley. So like <laughs> when someone books you, do you all have to be at the production site? Like what if I'm so confused how your structure works. Can you <laughs> go over your structure a little bit? Yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're very international right now. (laughs) (laughs) I see. (laughs) Yeah, everywhere. That's good. You you know, yeah, and I think we're run a lot more like a collective than a traditional corporation. Like, we don't, we want our lives to be exciting and fun. And also, we want to do the work. So yeah, like, if a client comes to us, if it's really exciting, like one of us or all of us will fly out and make it happen. You know, otherwise we do have the support structure, support system to like, you know, hire, hire out people to, to do the work we need. But also with COVID, like we've really avoided doing in-person shoots. And so, you know, the last two years, like we've, yeah, like since 2020, really, we've really adapted to seeing like, okay, what are digital remote ways that we can conduct a a story and like make it, you know, come to life, whether that means like doing more animation or doing things that we don't have to be in the field for it. So it's made, it's actually given us a lot of flexibility in that sense around creatively being really resourceful. Um, But but yeah, usually- Sorry, not to cut you off. Doesn't that sometimes take away the creativity? Not as much, but the the kind of the passion. There's something different about being on set versus behind a computer screen creating the the animation. I totally agree. Yeah, I love being on set, and I love being on set. And I'm like, but also I'm like, okay, COVID. Like I don't like I actually you know I shoot a lot, right? And so last year I was like. I didn't really want to put myself in that situation. And it's like, at that point, it's not even me. It's like, I'm putting whoever I'm filming is at risk, mm-hmm. whether or not I take all the precautions, do everything. So I've, I guess the way we're thinking is like also about doing, like making art safely and sustainably. And like sustainability has always been a big piece for us. So we love being on set and we can't wait to all be on set together again soon. Hey, the shots are coming like, soon. Shots are coming soon, so. Yeah. <laughs> and and at the same time we're like you know maybe this maybe this project can be done a different way and sometimes that opens up an interesting possibility as well in business you have to you have to adapt and that's exactly what you guys are doing is adapting to circumstances because if you don't adapt your business could fail if you're not willing to go stand in front in front of people and and film them the old school way (laughs) um but you're also not willing to sit behind a screen and animate what they need done then your business, you know, could potentially fall. Um, So you just have to be willing to adapt. And I think that's the important thing to to point here, um, which you guys have done. But it's super cool. Like you you mentioned you guys are like a collective and not the traditional Mm -hmm. thing uh, and and the traditional company. And I like that. That's because you get Mm -hmm. more experience. You get more more of a perspective, right? You guys yeah. are all in different places right now. You guys are all doing your own thing, right? And it's about right. social like reform or or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, could you imagine if you just brought that all together, like, and, and 
made right. one film or something that had to do with like different Absolutely. topics. So uh, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything if that's what you guys have. No. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I love creating work on something so. together. We yeah, are yeah. We're like, okay, one day we're going to make, we have a few ideas on, on like doing something together. But you know, even these projects that we're all working on, it's, it's like we're in touch every day. So I was gonna ask actually, how often do you talk? You know, we're so we're so immersed in each other's lives, and we do know, like, you know, okay, with this person's project, these these things are changing. Like, this is happening. So we're kind of, in some ways, like creative um, consultants or advisors on each each person's project, and we're yeah. kind of there each step of the way as things are developing. Um, but That's this cool. is it, right? Like, we we wanted to create we wanted to create a business and a career that could fit into the best lives that we want for ourselves. Yeah. And we see that personal vision as part of the collective vision. So like for Alex, if that means like taking a month off and being in Amsterdam, like for me, if that means like, Hey guys, I want to be in London this month, like we make it happen. And yeah, it's just like, it's That's just cool. a different way of being. Yeah. That's cool. Is that, is this your only job right now? Like, is this all you're doing? Yeah, I mean, and then we, that's, that's why we take on the ad campaigns, you know, so we take on campaigns go. when he, yeah, but this is, this is it, right? And so, freedom. like, I just had a project with Southwest Airlines that, I, you know, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> that, that was, uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Sure. Yeah. So that's an example of like the most recent project I did, I guess. And like, they were really, they were great clients to work with. They wanted me to create something personal that would uplift storytellers and they wanted to have it um, screen at Sundance. Are you, you still there? I was like, wait, did you get stuck? <laughs> oh, no, um, and they wanted to, they wanted it to, you know, screen at Sundance before all the short films, which was really exciting. And it was actually so much fun to work on. And, you know, I ended up shooting it in London over like two, three days. And it was just like me and one other uh, yeah. crew member on camera. And like, like we, it was just like a fun kind of adventure. It was. So, it, it, at first I was like, what what I thought it was because you were talking right were you talking yeah so yeah. here's the thing like I don't usually like to be on camera <laughs> yeah. and I was like let me find a creative and they're like look it's COVID like you know we don't want to put you in any kind of weird situation if you don't want to be around people we're also in lockdown in London so people can't really be indoors with each other so I was like okay like I guess one way to do this is like I could talk about my process and they were like yes we love it like yeah. run with it yeah <laughs> so I was, uh, I, I, well, first watching it, uh, I was like, oh, so this is like about, I guess, her journey, right? And then all of a sudden I see the Southwest tag at the end. I'm like, wait, wait I, I got to rewatch that again. It, this was about like flying. <laughs> so I like, because I heard your voice and I was like, oh, this is like about like her life or something. So I had to watch it again. I was like, oh shit, this is dope. This is dope. It like connected really well. It's, so. it's a little spot. Yeah. 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 Well, so it was really cool with them because, you know, they were really open and they were like, we want to center, like because they were a sponsor for Sundance Film Festival, yeah. they just wanted to create something or they wanted they basically were like bringing me on to create something that would just represent storytelling and the process of storytelling and yeah. you know southwest is an airline that you know has been very like if you think about airlines like they're like one of the funnest airlines like people on there you know like yeah they're like a lot better than <laughs> a, lot. a lot of other airlines <laughs> yeah i like them i love so, them yeah yeah so it was really fun and they were really like they were like run with the, they were like, Bria, we want you to just be creative and yeah. you know, you can put our logo at the end. So it was, <laughs> it was a really fun project to work on. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Um, well, I imagine that must've been a good, a good healthy check. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, 
uh, I want to talk. So what are what are some other big clients you've worked with? Um, Southwest. Um, are you allowed to name them? If you're not, then we could skip that. Yeah, I mean, a couple. Uh, we, yeah, there's like there's Nike is one of the bigger ones that we've uh, all worked with. Uh, you know, but you know, I think a majority of our clients actually end up being nonprofits. So okay. we work a lot with the Center for Cultural Power um, in Oakland, who they've been doing a lot of great work. Um, yeah. We've worked with like we work with Thinks. We've worked with uh, the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts uh, in San Francisco. Okay. Um, Good B Silverstein is an ad agency in San Francisco. We've done a little bit of work with them. Um, yeah, there's a couple. Those are a couple. There's a few more I'm totally missing, but those are a couple of big ones that you guys might, you might be aware of. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah. What um, What is the hardest part of being a filmmaker? Um, like, hmm. like personally, not as a company. What is the hardest part being a fil- filmmaker? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think when I think about this film that I've been developing, this documentary, it's like documentary specifically feels like a very patient process. Like mm. a filmmaker told me recently when he was, he made this, this mentor of mine, he made this film called The Mare. Um, he was talking about, you know, it's about when you film for hours and hours and hours and you're really tired and you want to like cut mm-hmm. and then you'll get a little bit of a gem. And it's about being the person in the room that can have like an open mind and an open perspective and open ears to be really present with like what's happening and just being ready for those moments of magic that show up after a long day or in the middle of a long, boring interview that you're filming hours of that you're like, okay, I'm just never going to go on my film. Why am I even doing this? (laughs) And you'll get like a little like five second gem and it changes everything. So it's kind of like, I guess, the difficult part for me has been uh, like really hearing, hearing those moments and like being, being, being able to really be present with those moments and knowing like, okay, is this a moment that I need to be really mindful of? Like, is this some magic that I'm capturing that I'm not aware of? Yeah. And then, and then just being really like persistent to like, look at the footage. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, there's a lot of like hard work and boring work at times. So yeah. it's like being, I don't know what the right word is. You like, gotta be, having you gotta that, be motivated to to just keep going and you got to be patient yeah. which is what i was going to say i patience with i suck with patience like i was at a, a model shoot uh like two days ago for for uh, i was doing i had to do yoga right and for a yeah. film or whatever and um and i just like I applaud the filmmakers, right? Because they are the sh- yeah. most stressed out people on the set. Like my, as a model, I show up. I just, you know, <laughs> what do I do? I'm sitting here most of the time waiting for my turn. You know what I mean? And then it's like when my turn comes on is action. But they are like, right. like the, the producer was like, when I first met him, he was sweating, like just looked oh, crazy. Man. And I'm like, oh man, this, this is about to be a long day. So you gotta I, I work just, on a break tide project soon. Yeah. We gotta show you the I'm break down. Yeah, yeah. We don't so, let people. We don't let people see us sweat. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now he was stressed out, uh, but they, they were great. Great, great company. Yeah. Um, just it's just like there's so much that goes beyond it, right? They they have to film me doing this, yeah. and then they have to clean up, and then they have to kind of direct it, and then they have to go home and edit the shit, which is wild, right? Like. Um, it's just so much work, like you said. So I, I, for me, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what though? It's film. Like one of the most beautiful things about it is like beyond the technical stuff, it's really a, a industry that's about relationships. 
Mm. And ultimately oh, it's, yeah. it's, that's all it's about. Like, that's mm. all it's about. So when you're on a set, like I love being on set. I love working with people. It's my favorite thing in the world. And I realized like, that's where I thrive yeah. because I think it's in those moments, you know, where you really get tested, where it's a difficult situation. Maybe the, maybe it's starting to rain and you have like an outdoor scene that's supposed to be sunny and like everything is just going, you're just going sideways. Yeah. What do you, how do you act in those moments? It, it's, that's that's like that's the gold for me of like really like at that at that moment you do your best work at that moment you really show up and you be a leader like that's what I think being a leader is too you know you you yeah. show up and you're like because people look to you like I think on a film set it's really interesting everyone looks to like the director or the producer to know how to feel about a situation and it's one of those things like if you see if it's like a, a situation that you feel like is really messy but they're like chilling and they're like oh guys like we're gonna make it work it's me right like you have a different attitude and it, that attitude impacts everything that goes into you know? anywhere you go that 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 goes for company you know yes. like if yes. if the ceo is calm and everything and the employees are freaking out you know you're looking at the ceo like oh he's calm everything will be okay like you know what i mean like we're, yeah. we're okay covid hit but he knows a way to like go around <laughs> it like you know what i mean so that that it, it, it really just goes to to everything in life um but yeah that well said beautiful mm. beautifully um let's go ahead and talk <laughs> what uh what annoys you most um when working with models or actors for your, <laughs> for your films <laughs> what annoys you most oh. with them specifically you know on sets where I've hired people, I've never had a problem with them. I, okay. I've always had really positive experiences, but there's been a few sets where I've been hired to be like the DP, like I'm there as a cinematographer. Yep. And obviously the casting director, the director maybe didn't know what they were doing. Um, I think I think ultimately comes down to attitude, right? But that's yeah. something that can be easily, easily dealt with in the audition. So it's really important to do Ooh. your prep. like. Yeah. It, you that's why you want to do your research because you never want to show up on set with like a problem person that that person becomes your problem like the entire day yeah so I've been on sets I've been on one set where literally our only problem was our main actor who was a nightmare to work with because wow. he had the worst attitude in the world he just didn't and want to was, do anything he wanted to leave and was he like, was wow, bossing people around he was like he was like no I want to do it this way yeah he he was just wow. not receptive had other yeah. issues happening not coachable is what we would say in sports not coachable <laughs> not coachable and the thing is you can easily weed that out if you have a solid audition or two yeah. or three you know and you just you talk to the person you get a sense for them yeah it's avoidable it, 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 I think yeah. so I personally on my sets I'm like I, I love the people I work with because they yeah. show up they like they, they show up ready and they show up excited and then you engage them with that energy you know you, yeah you I think that it's true that when you're on set and you're working with actors you want to treat them like they're five-year-old. Like you want to treat them mm, like the, with a certain level of preciousness. Um, yeah. You want them to feel welcomed. You want them to feel prioritized and cared for. And then you create the space for them to like shine and do their best work, you know? Yeah. No, I, I yeah. I, when on set, I love when producers are like, can I get you anything? Or like just making yeah. you feel super comfortable, right? Because um, especially, especially when you're waiting most of the time, right? When, exactly. when they've gone two hours over their time that you were supposed to, you know, exactly. be shooting. Um, and it's not their fault. Shit happens. You're on, you, you should expect that. Right. Um, right. but it's super just a but You want to be, you want to be, you want to be, everyone wants to be treated with that dignity and that sense of, yeah. so that's basic that value time. give that yep. to each other anyway. Right. Yep. 
Facts, facts. Um, right. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I know it could be a pain in the ass working with some models and, and actors. <laughs> like, like, have you? Sounds like you might have had some nightmare stories. <laughs> uh, I yeah. I mean, as a model and actor, like you, you run into other people who just think they're full of it. You know, like. Like you just have the biggest Attitudes. head. Yeah, you have the it's biggest head. It's almost about egos. Egos get yeah. in the way of everything good. E- everything. Like, let the egos on the side. It's it's <laughs> yeah. egos or it's like why am I here? But it, but then that's a good question. Like, are you only here for the movie or for the movie for the money or do you like actually like doing this stuff? Like, you know, it's just weird. Or the person who's on their phone the whole time and doesn't want to like connect and network. <laughs> like I love networking, right? So I, I'll be on my phone, yeah. But I love talking with other people and seeing what do they do you know how can we work in the future together you know do you own something that I can support or something so right yeah but um yeah so we're um we're gonna start something new uh with the show you're gonna be our first one um it's called the Hellamist Guided Segment um where you're gonna you're gonna guide yourself as a youngin as a youngin so imagine you're 18 years old and um you're gonna guide yourself and write a letter to your 18 year old self about um, getting to a better future. So what hmm. what would your letter be about um, if you were to write that letter now to your 18 year old self? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this one because it's like, yeah, like that's, that's so, that's deep. <laughs> well, yeah, it, you know, like, because you know, we're like at 18, we think we know it all, right? We think, yeah. we, we think, you know, it all. We think we know what we're going to be. We think we know what we want. And really, I just feel like we are misguided in so many ways. And that has mm-hmm. to do with like society, right? Yeah. I feel like we're trapped in this bu- bubble of what society thinks we should, you know, conform to or be or, right. and, and, like the fact that we're not yeah. taught how to manage money or how to start a proper business or how to do your taxes um, right. in high school, it's like it's, yeah. it blows my mind. Right. So I'm thinking as like, if I was 18 and I knew everything I fucking knew today, oh my God, I would be unstoppable. Mm. Right. So mm. like, so like when I'm writing that letter to myself, I'm like, well, you, you need to learn this. You need to learn. You need to study, study, study. Fuck the little Pythagorean theorem that they teach you. You need to like study <laughs> <laughs> all this other stuff, right? Investing like, so yeah, that, that, that that's yeah. what I would write. But like, what would you write? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things is I would tell myself, take your time, like don't be in a rush. And it's, you know, I think, I think in some ways I've spent a lot of time um, being defined by the things I achieved. And so I think in some ways that's really important. I think for some people that actually might be really helpful. I think for me as someone who like was like, okay, I'm, my value is in what I achieve and what I produce and what I do. And this is a lie of capitalism, right? That like we're only worthy because yeah. of what we, yeah. what we accomplish and what we, I think I would tell myself like, there's no need to be in a hurry. Like, you know, like take your time and um, take time to get to know yourself and learn about yourself. And someone even told me like the deepest relationship you'll ever have with anyone in your life is yourself. And like, oftentimes we don't, we invest a lot into like other people, like romantically or even, you know, creatively or in in whatever way. And it's like, like really take that time to get to know yourself and what it is you like and what it is you value. And I would, 
yeah, I would give myself that advice to like take my time and not not be in such a hurry. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good one, one of the things because because I I do feel like I was in a hurry when I was eighteen to get somewhere. Right? It was. I, I, mean, yeah. I feel I still feel like I'm in a hurry, but uh, I, <laughs> you know, you feel like you're you're like I just need to graduate. Like I gotta go to college. Yeah. Like, college is going to change my whole life. Like, you know, it's going, it's going to put me on the right path when you get to college and you're like, Oh, you want a beer here? There's a fat party over there. (laughs) That's like, um, but yeah, no. So I, I totally agree with that. That's great advice. And then, you know, I think financially, like I had a lot of problems. Like I didn't know how to ask for money. Right. Like Mm. in terms of asking for your worth, like it honestly wasn't until I started break tide that I really started to understand how to value myself financially mm-hmm. and so before that I think it took years like I, I there was a few years where my mom was like like I was doing a lot of like minimum wage jobs like the first job I had even in a video producing role it was like min, it was basically minimum wage and and I kind of just didn't feel like I had the confidence or yeah. didn't feel like I was I guess worthy enough at that time to ask for that yeah. and yeah I think I would also be like you know I don't know, one of my advice, like advice pieces to myself might be like, you can, you can, you can have a little bit more of that, like big D energy, you know, like big diva energy, yeah. like go in there and ask for what you want and, yeah. and don't be afraid of what, like, you know, just, just be bold enough to ask and then, and then see what happens, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Um, great advice. Great advice. Uh, cool. Well, I mean, I think that's, we covered a lot, you know, <laughs> we covered a <laughs> we lot. Did. That, that was a, that was we a did. really, it was deep. It was kind of deep, you know, I feel, <laughs> I feel a little uh, soul cleansing over here, but um, <laughs> I appreciate you coming Me up too. here. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I appreciate you coming um, up here. The way we like to end the episode is uh, with a section called guided conclusions, where I ask you a question beforehand that we haven't talked about before this video. It could be funny, serious, anything you could also mm-hmm. decline to answer. Today's question is a little funny, right? Because you're in a industry. Um, <laughs> because I'm so serious. You're like, we got to calm it down, you know? Um, <laughs> no, but, but uh, this question, today's question, we'll just go with it. We'll just go with it. Uh, would you rather be in the Hunger Games arena or on the run from Thanos? I had to do a film question. Oh, shit. Yeah. I think I think the Hunger Games. But why though? Hunger Games Arena. Why? I don't know. You got hella like people coming out at you. <laughs> I know one person versus <laughs> yeah. a lot of people. And you're trapped uh, too. Like I don't know. I feel like I'd like get a little birdie to help me or something. <laughs> you team up with <laughs> someone? <laughs> I just you know what? I just I don't know. I'm a little struck by the like the vibe of the Hunger Games scene. Like it's quite of a diverse landscape, and I feel like it could be a little bit more adventurous. Like it might, it might be like the end might not be as much in sight, but it's like, at least yeah. I lived, you know, okay, okay, at least okay. I lived. The, the Hunger Games right now reminds me of uh, the beginning of coronavirus when the toilet paper oh. and, <laughs> and uh, water was all gone. That's how it was in the, in the grocery stores. But yeah. Yeah. Um, nah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good answer. Um, maybe, cool. maybe I should have gotten with Thanos. But, okay. <laughs> no, I would have gone. I would have gone with the, the Hunger Games because you get a chance to you uh, defend, defend yourself. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you, you just you can't beat Thanos. With, you can't true. beat Thanos. This is like, true. Yeah. This is true. Like you get, it, you, you get, you get a, a little bit of a shot. Yeah, you you get to at least live a, a little bit longer, right? <laughs> 
Um, but uh, no, I appreciate you, Ria. Thank you so much for spending your thank your, you so much, Juan. Your beautiful London time that you have out there, like choosing <laughs> to do this podcast while you're in London. Thank you. Um, Not but, at all. Yeah, let My let pleasure. the people know where they can find you um, and and stay in contact with you. Yeah, yeah. Instagram Breaktide at Breaktide B R E A K T I D E or at Ria Puri, R-E-A-A-P-U-R-I. Um, yeah, or yeah, I mean, you just Google me and then- Ooh, Google me. me. It's easy, oh. it's easy, you can yeah, Google just, me. Just Google me, okay, damn, we gonna but cut it right there. <laughs> nice, nice, cut, cut, cut. See, no, I'm just fine. Um, <laughs> nice, nice, well, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, man, we, we, we broke down a lot of barriers with Break Tide Productions today, wouldn't you say? I would say, yeah. See what I, see Thank what you I did so there? Much for, you did. <laughs> I love it. I Thank love you. it. Um, um, yeah, thanks for like spotlighting my work. And I just, I really appreciate what you're doing. Of yeah. course, your your work is super dope. Well, you guys heard it here. This is the Misguided Podcast. We intend to guide you to a better future. My name is Juwan. I'm sitting here with Rhea of Break Tide Productions. Make sure you go check it out. Enjoy, everyone. Because don't nobody want me. Don't nobody want me, want me Don't nobody want me No, don't nobody want me, want me Cause don't nobody want me Don't nobody want me, want me Don't nobody want me No, don't nobody want me, want me A lot of girls I would run away from with you I run to the danger like a blonde who's dumb In every scary movie I got the people yelling bitch run But I'm stuck like a chess dummy I'm still hung up on you Ooh, But I'm searching for something new Cause you didn't want me, maybe she do Or I could name two, even three falling like a leaf And it's only for you but please, before you leave, know that I love lo- us Still can't say it, back and forth with my conscience Like love is rocket science, pointless math didn't solve this Cause don't nobody want me don't nobody want me, want me Don't nobody want me No, don't nobody want me, want me Cause don't nobody want me Don't nobody want me, want me Don't nobody want me No, don't nobody want me, want me lot of danger I like to run toward Too many consequences I just can't afford I scribble these sentiments down and turn them into words Hoping you understand it better than I ever did before My self-conscious thoughts are an open book I let you read here Take a look, what do you see? Are you shook? Don't judge me when you give less than what you took How greedy? The devil has it out for me, but God has a plan for me, I'm focused on the journey, 10 years deep like the odyssey, I should be where I wanna be.
Nobody ever wants me. Hey. Hey, come on. Come here. You know, you're one of the best, Curly. And we wouldn't let just anyone take you. Nobody's asked for me, have they? Nobody's special enough, Curly. You mean someone has? Only the right people can have you.